We back. We back. We back. We back. We motherfucking 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 back. Okay. I'm always doing a disappearing accent back. But no, we are working on consistency. And even though I did not release an episode, I only didn't, the only reason I only didn't, what kind of English is that? How many seconds into the podcast and I'm already <laughs> speaking like, I was going to say retard, that's not really nice, is it? Um, Speaking like I can't speak English. So that, um, the only reason that I did not release an episode in December um, is because I was too busy preparing for my trip to Dubai. I went to Dubai, I was doing Dubai things in Dubai, and I was busy, and I also felt like where I had released the episode at the end of November, it basically meant I released it in December, but that doesn't excuse why I didn't release an episode in January. In January, I came back from Dubai, and I felt like death. Obviously, I'm being a bit dramatic, but it was so humbling. I thought I was onto something, like I said, 2020 was a mess, I'm going to go to Dubai, and you get it, I'm going to... Put a, put, a, put a stop and end, you know, end the year with a bang and start the year with a bang. But I came back and it was a pepperoni. And this pepperoni is worse than the original pandemic. And it's just, I'm tired of being in a damn paranemic, in a panasonic, in a whatever you want to call this. This get me out. I hate it here. Okay. It's been so, I've been feeling so detached, so, um, just demotivated and yeah the first two weeks of me being back from Dubai really really had me crushed like I'm saying I was obviously last year in the last episode <laughs> I was talking about coping mechanisms of me you know drinking a lot and over socializing the first two weeks of um January was I doing I was smoking and going to bed like <laughs> I don't want to be here <laughs> But I am definitely feeling much better and feel like I am slowly adjusting to this new normal, obviously creating less pressure to um, be obsessed with, you know, the future, planning for the future, uh, being more present, focusing on how I can maximise being the best version of myself each and every day and doing things in each day that make me feel fulfilled, even though it's really hard with everything being closed. Um... Just developing more like, healthier coping mechanisms and, yeah, just removing this pressure of having everything figured out and, you know, I want to make sure that everything is connected because I just try to record on my iPhone because, you know, you can use Anchor and it's just been a big flop. So people always mock me for being so, you know, old fashioned, like I write things down and then I type them rather than just type things, because you'd be losing shit and it's like, you're pissing me off. Like I can't keep up with this technology. Anyways, we are gathered here today to talk about love. <clears throat> love, never knew what I was. Is it thinking? Is it thinking or feeling? Anyways, you're not here for me singing. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about love. We're Valentine's Day soon approaching. I feel like it's only right that we talk about love. But I am sick and tired of hearing conversations around love being centred around romantic relationships and the relationships that we have with our friends and family because love is bigger than that. And I feel like, you know, 
the conversation we're about to have now is way, way, way more important, if I may say so myself, compared to the conversations that people have on their timeline. And, you know, I'll loosely and respectfully say in their social circles, because I don't feel like they are as well-rounded. Of course, as much as I am going to give you access to some information, a lot of that information is obviously down to my own interpretation of my um, research and my readings and so forth. And also, obviously, my opinions on my own. Um, they might not reflect the compliments on the narratives that you have um, when you are, you know, having these conversations online or with friends and family. Nevertheless, here I am, hoping I can enlighten you in some shape or form. We are going to start with, uh, I guess, yeah, it, in light of, you know, talking about love romantically, um, I saw online that apparently we fall in love with three types of people in our life and that we need to experience all three of these to teach us distinct lessons. Um, I found it interesting because obviously maybe I've inter interpreted it all literally, but to suggest that you only fall in love three times seems a bit crazy to me because obviously in on one hand it makes sense because Upon reflection, I can definitely see where the, there have been times where I thought I was in love and nobody could not tell me that I was not heartbroken or that I wasn't in love. And then you, you kind of move on from that and you realise that, oh, that was just like infatuation or that was just like, you know, being, it was just convenient and so forth. Or I just like, that was just attachment. Um, so it kind of makes sense, but it kind of like challenged some of my original, I don't know, like principles surrounding love and how many people you can love or like how yeah I just found it very interesting so um allegedly the three types of people even though this was supposed to so in term in reference to the three types of people you meet I found that a lot of the writings were more to do with um the experience rather than the person so they say that you're only you're you will fall in love with three types of people but when describing you know, your first love, the hard love, and the, um, the love that lasts, which are the three types of love that the people, I guess, exhibit, they spoke less about characteristics and more about the experience, I hope that makes sense, because I don't have my headphones in, so I can't hear myself, anyways, um, so yeah, the first love is the love that is said to, um, be the love that looks right, um, it's an idealistic love that we tend to experience, they say, between the ages of, 13 to 22 and they, they they described it as being that being our youth um firstly I want to say that I found it very unfair when I was reading about you know this idea that you only fall in love three times um I find I found it not biased but it's like it was almost unrealistic to suggest that l like meeting those three people is a linear ex like experience so it almost made it seem like, you know, between the ages of 13 and 22, you, this is what happened. And then like your 20s and like mid 30s, this happened. And then later in your life, this is what happens. I feel like dating is not linear. I feel like if you're going to say that, you know, in terms of concepts, you can, you can, you can be in six relationships that all exude the framework of, of, of you feeling like it's idealistic and not really a true representation of what love actually is, or you can be in, I don't know, you can, you can, you can have dated like three or four people, and all of those experiences complement what it means to experience hard love, 
But anyways, obviously this probably doesn't make that much sense to you because I haven't actually broken down or spoken about um, what the three loves are. So they say that the first love, like I said, um, is an idealistic kind of love that you experience in your youth. This kind of love is less focused around reality and more associated with imagination. <clears throat> we in in this frame, um, people focus more on how things look rather than having a, a true idea of who they are, what they want, what their standards are, what their boundaries are. You know, whether or not this is fruitful. It is more complemented by perspectives that are influenced or shaped by the relationship that we see, whether it's online or, you know, in our in our in, in our relationship with our parents and friends and uncles and aunties and so forth. And it's 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 a blind love. What I liked about this kind of love or this kind of person is that I'm gonna reference person because later on in this episode we're gonna actually talk about the types of love that actually exist rather than this brief kind of discussion around the fact that you only um fought in love three times with these kind of people um or, or you experience this kind of feeling in love I like the fact that when we are talking about this first love that it's very innocent it has nothing to do with like malicious intention it has nothing to do with like devastation it almost it it's refreshing it's like yeah I, I understand why they associate why they associate it with you know, with your youth, because at those ages, um, you're finding yourself, and I guess it's a level playing field for most people when you're dating between those ages. You, there aren't that many stories that you hear that you know people are being manipulated or consciously manipulated. I will say, or that you know they experiencing you know heightened versions of trauma compared to the second love, which is hard love. This hard love this time I feel like we can all identify with hard love hard love is a love that teaches us tough lessons it teaches us um who we are what we need and often brings hurt and pain and honey like I'm tired I'm tired I'm so tired I just want, I just want someone to love me this I'm just I'm tired of learning lessons okay I know who I am <laughs> I just want to jump the queue jump the lessons and 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 go straight to this third love which is um I love that last. But yeah, I guess <sighs> the reality is when it comes to hard love, it can seem negative, but I will say that, as I said, dating is not linear. It's not a straight line. And what that means is I've accepted that in order for me to know what I want, I have to go through experiences that highlight and bring forth the things that I don't want and yeah all of those situations experiences allow me to have a true understanding of who I am and as a result I can create boundaries and expectations that allow me to attract and entertain people and situations that mirror and fulfill that mirror you know my 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 the things that I foresee for myself in the future and also fuel me the way I want to be fueled yeah but it's hard I feel like hard this hard love probably takes up the most of our dating I, I think it fills up most of our dating experience because I mean you gotta kiss some frogs you have to kiss some frogs you have to really heartbreak is not for the faint-hearted and yeah 
it's it's unfortunate, I guess, that you have to have your heart broken. But you know, it charges the game, honey. You gotta get up and go back out there and swing. Um, not literally, by the way, please. <laughs> um and the third person or the, the third um feeling of love is a love that lasts. And I found it so funny that they described it as a love that is unimaginable or a love that people don't think exists because I felt like big duh after having your heart broken what three four five times of course you're going to give up on love so yeah it's funny that essentially the last love or the last the last person you're said to fall in love with is a person who makes you feel like love is easy and it exceeds your expectations of what you felt that love should feel and look like probably the love that we all aspire to experience and have I look forward please lord if you're if you're there, are you there? <laughs> Please. I'm ready for a love that lasts. Anyways, let's get into the real body of discussion for this episode, which is the types of love that exist. I will also say that I tried hard to not, um, I tried to make my research co- uh, inclusive, but at the same time, I did see that the writings about the types of love that exist within religion don't immediately complement the writings I saw from philosophers such as um, Aristotle and Plato and most of what I will be saying today is kind of um I will say inspired by the writings of I forgot the guy's name Robert Stone Stoneberg Stonebridge I can't remember his surname but he's a Canadian I don't even know, is he a philosopher, theorist? I didn't actually read that far into who he was, but I know that he developed the writings of Aristotle and Plato, who are Greek philosophers who, you know, quote-unquote, historically were the first people to explore and, you know, describe what love is um, to the masses. So, yeah, if you are religious, of course, feel free to listen to the rest of this episode and, you know, compare notes and see how much or whether at all what I've said complements what the Bible or any other religious writings say about the types of love that exist. But I did see that some of the characteristics that existed within the religious frames of what love is also exist in the types of love that I'm going to talk about today. So, without any further ado, the types of love that exist some people say seven, some people say eight. I've gone with eight because I wanted to include all of them just so that we have access to all information and we can have a very um, inclusive conversation. Okay, so we have ludus, we have mania, we have eros, we have pragma, we have philia, we have... Now this one, I don't know if it's storage, storge, storg, I don't know. But I'm not Greek, so do not hold it against me. I am going to refer to it as storage. And then we also have agape love. And we also have... This is another one. It's giving me fellatio vibes, but it's definitely not fellatio. It is fellatio. So just going to go through each type of love and see where we go in terms of what kind of discussion we can have about each love. So ludus love is described as a playful kind of love. I was not really feeling this love. I'm not going to lie when I was reading around it. It was giving me go with the flow vibes and I'm tired of go with the flow. I'm tired of go with the flow. Honestly, 
<laughs> make it stop. I guess Ludus love is not, it, it, I associate it with, with going with the flow because it is less to do with attachment and commitment, but more to do with pleasure and enjoyment. Um, when I was reading, I saw that a lot of people who are in open relationships or have multiple partners, they demonstrate or this is the kind of love that they experience and share. Mm, yeah, I just feel like this generation is so is is, is soaking up this ludicrous love. Like it's playful, it's flirtatious, but it has no real connection. And the reason why I didn't like it, when I was reading, I was seeing that a lot of people suggested that it's very like self-centered and it has more to do with like power and control. And I often feel like love isn't about power and control. It's not about like infatuation. Like I saw some descriptions about, you know, just admiring someone and wanting a bit of them. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be fruitful. It doesn't have to be long lasting. It can last anything between a week, a month, a year. Like It just has no real like depth or direction. And I just, I was not feeling the whole ludus love. But that's not to suggest that it's not something that can work or that it's negative, for me personally, I was just not feeling it, it's not my bag, like I said, it was giving me brief, it was giving me go with the flow, it was giving me a no, okay, no, 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 that pour moi, merci, ciao, and then we have mania, which I, I think the reason why most people say that there's only seven types of love is because they don't consider mania as a type of love, because it's an obsessive love, it's a love that um, has more to do with insecurity than love itself because it, so as a result of being insecure, it can lead to codependency and leading people to be like, extremely attached to their partners. Um, What are my thoughts about this? I feel like, obviously, this is not really love. Do you get it? It's not really love. Um, and it, it's it's a very, I don't want to say it's a bad place to be because I can understand how people get to a place where they are codependent. Obviously, in my last episode, I even spoke about, you know, because of the pandemic, I found myself to become very codependent and it overwhelmed the person in question um, and didn't permit me to be able to express myself the way I needed to because I was just looking for something in that person. Insecurities are natural it's a human thing to have insecurities um a lot of them are deep rooted so for me I think I would say that we need to be careful and really take time to analyze the reasons why we are attached and with people I think that the last time I was dating I think I might have even said to somebody do you think I am um attached to you or that I actually like you, because I found it very interesting, because obviously I knew within myself that I was going through things, and that I was latching on to this person's presence, because it was the only thing that was making me happy at the time, but I couldn't really see the bigger picture in terms of identifying why that was, so I feel like with, with this obsessive love, it is dangerous to allow your happiness to be in the hands of somebody else, it is human to seek validation to want love to want comfort to want intimacy but you cannot allow um, another person to be the, the the sole source of your sense of validation or your sense of purpose or your sense of happiness yeah moving on the next one is eros um eros was actually a greek god and funnily enough this greek god was feared because 
it was said that the power of Eros could be extremely destructive. Now, Eros is basically erotic love. Erotic? Pronunciation's a bit off, but we move. <laughs> um, erotic love basically is a love that is intensely surrounded around the physical and emotional connection that you have with someone. And, okay, I will say this. I will say that it can be considered as the initial stage of a relationship. So it can lead to having an actual long-lasting, fruitful relationship. How motherfucking ever, yeah? Excuse my French. However, I feel like Eros is the devil because there are so many people who I'm sure can identify with the fact that you get carried away with this intense physical and emotional connection you have with someone that you are blinded at the fact that there are red flags or that, you know, in the long run, there is no actual substance, that the connection is literally just the one that you have emotionally and physically. And it's just bad vibes. It's bad vibes. Uh, it's it's giving entanglement. Because <laughs> sometimes it literally feels like the real thing. And then when you start to actually, you know, think about... Because I always say that emotional and physical connection only contributes... I want to say, like, not even 50%, like, honest, if I'm being honest, I'm going to say 40, but if, you could, uh, you could swindle me into, into agreeing or, or changing that percentage to 60% of what actually facilitates a long-lasting relationship. The other percentage we give to actual compatibility, which is, you know, culture, ethics, morals, finances, um, you know, way of life and just those things. And oftentimes when you are experiencing this heightened, intimate, you know, just, it feels like that, like mouth-watering um, feeling of feeling so connected to someone physically and emotionally, you, you don't look at the big picture and you don't think about the future. So be careful, be careful. But like I said, in the same breath, this can be the initial stage of actually building rapport with someone to the point where you go and have a great relationship. Unlike Ludus, which is just like winging it. Um, The next love is, what was it called again? Pragma. Pragma, Pragma is said to be the love that you need to sustain a marriage. And I it's funny because I just said that you should focus more on substance rather than just the sheer connection or whatever else, yeah. But then Pragma was giving me, it was giving me business vibes, like marriage is a business, like relationships are business, like basically Pragma is also known as enduring love, which is, I guess, it has more of a practical approach to relationships and it was it centered less around like romance and more about convenience and has a lot more to do with like common sense and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add, but I do feel like if you are somebody who, you know, is interested in the concept of marriage or even, you know, wants to get married in the future, it might be, you know, an area of worth researching and studying just to see, just to tickle your, 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 your narratives and your thoughts. Um, the next one, we have, yeah, number five, philia. Um, philia is basically platonic love, 
which we tend to experience within our friendship circles and with our siblings. Interestingly enough, it's considered to be more superior to Eros. And I found it interesting that they say that because it's a love that's equal. And I questioned why they use the word equal as if to suggest like having this physical and emotional connection isn't, can't be, you know, facilitated on equal playing fields or equal playing rounds. Is it fields or grounds you're saying, Lord? Um, but of course I get that when it comes to romantic relationships, sometimes one person might set the tone for the relationship or sometimes, you know, um, one person might initiate the relationship or sometimes one person might be more physically and emotionally connected than the other person. So I guess it makes sense why Philia speaks about equality in terms of the relationship that you have with the other person, because it's based around having an understanding and and a mutual respect for each other. Yeah, I I will talk more about Philia because I feel like high key it is probably the best type of environment to be able to curate what love should look and feel like for you. Mm, I'm and I don't know if I would include siblings in that frame because I feel like when it comes to family, it's very very complicated. It is complicated, okay. But when it comes to friends, I feel like it can be. It's a bit easier to be yourself and to really 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 understand what it is that you expect from love and what it can look like because there's no pressure there's no like infatuation there's no like um physical element that sways or shapes or influences it's just black and black and white compatibility i will say um the next one was uh i said i'm gonna call it story i was gonna say store gay again and this love is basically love that is immediately associated with parents and children. And I found it interesting when I was reading like, the different arguments that some people argue that only parents can feel storage love, that children cannot feel unconditional love for their parents. Um, so basically, storage love is an instinctive an instinctive, I can't speak English for shits, okay, I can that. <laughs> it's an instinctive love that um, doesn't waver. Now, the arguments basically were suggesting that, and I don't want you to take this personally, because we all know of isolated situations or scenarios where we can blatantly see that a parent's love for their child was evidently conditional and based around you know whether or not that child met their expectations or you know came out how they wanted them to come out but it's basically saying that most parents don't choose to love they they cannot remove that element of love they have for their child children because they are recipients of love and because they start to with time create expectations for how they should be treated when those expectations aren't met, their love for their parents can change. Whereas, essentially, they're saying that parents' love never changes. They never love you more or less. It's just it's just never going away kind of thing. But then the other argument is that both children and parents experience the storage kind of love and that it's mutual. Um, yeah, I don't know what I think about that, really. I, I think I probably... Hmm, I don't actually think, where do I, what side of the argument do I side with most? Probably that, um, 
it's mutual. I, I, yeah, I think it's mutual. I think, again, like I said, there are isolated situations when both the parent and the child's love for each other can change or could be influenced by given, like, experiences and circumstances. But for the most part, I, I don't really think you can stop loving either your child or your parent. I feel like there could be, a, like, a wedge. There can be distance between the two, but that presence or that... They, they always exist within you kind of thing. And I don't know if you can immediately associate, you know, someone's someone being on your mind or existing within your heart as l- like loving them but I feel like yeah that's that's just what I think and then finally we come to my my the last two my favorite types of love which is which are agape love um and uh I was gonna say fellatio again <laughs> Felicia so agape love is basically a selfless love. It is beautiful. When I was reading this, my eyes were watering like, oh, we need more of this in the world. We need more of this in the world. It's said to be the highest form of love you can experience because it's basically, it's all about like universal kindness. It's like about forgiveness, um, seeing the good of other people. It's basically a love for humanity and the kind of love you give without expecting anything back, which I feel like would literally make the world a better place because when you start to do things with condition, it you, that's what you get back, basically. But of course, it's so difficult to say that we should walk around as having unconditional love for everyone, no matter what, because it's just not, it's not realistic. But yeah, basically, um, agape love is full of um, compassion and it's, it's selfless, it's about others more than it is about you. But that doesn't mean that it's not fulfilling. It's almost as if you get fueled by loving others and then we have Felucia. Felucia is basically self-love. And before I talk about the beauty of self-love, I want to say that not too many writings include the fact that Felucia can be negative in that sometimes you can have so much love for yourself that you, you package it or you express it in a way that comes across egotistic or uh, narcissistic. And I think it's very important to include that when we speak about self-love because there's a dark side to everything and I feel like oftentimes we talk about self-love and we don't recognise that, you know, you can OD on the self-love and it can become a very negative um, engine of expression or even a state of being. Um, Felucia is, I think, did it say, was it Hindu? No, I think it was Buddhist, you know. I think it shares the same, like, Buddhist philosophy surrounding, like, self-compassion, self-understanding, like, self-acceptance and so forth. And essentially, in order to really maximise your ability to love others, you have to adopt and master the art of self-love and loving yourself. But of course, like, it goes about saying that this takes forever because the journey of self-discovery is never-ending. And as a result of that, you end up experiencing yourself in so many different ways that you have to keep adjusting to new versions of yourself. And it's very hard to, like collectively have this like self-compassion self-understanding and self-acceptance and just like be able to you know internalize that and make it into such a beautiful thing and then put it back into the world that's not how things work um I think it's 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 probably easier to by way of your experiences internalize negative things and find yourself projecting that fears and insecurities in your relationship or in your interactions because you are products of well you are a product of your environment, but there is still space to dictate your expression. I'll say that. That That is it, really. Those are the seven types of love that they are. And 
for the most part, I feel like it's important to have these conversations or to be exposed to such information because it gives us space to really learn about ourselves and to assess the kind of relationships we have with people. And obviously when you do that, you can start thinking about your love languages and what things mean to you. Um, and I think earlier in the conversation, I said I would wanted to speak about which is more important to me. And I wanted to say that, actually, first things first, to close the whole conversation around the types of love, to really, really identify whether or not you've experienced those types of love, the best thing to do is to boil everything down to the three components of love, which are intimacy, um, passion and commitment. So think about intimacy in terms of the feeling of closeness you have with a person or people. Think about passion in terms of, you know, the drives that fuel that relationship in relation to like romance and physical attraction. Does that exist in that relationship? Yes or no? That will tell you whether you are, you know, experiencing, I don't know, ludus or um, eros or whether you're experiencing, I don't know, um, pragma or mania, for example. And then also think about commitment. Commitment is the decision to love and to maintain that love. And that is a very good place to, again, reflect and analyse and identify the kind of relationship or kind of love you are experiencing or expressing based on whether you're choosing to love and to sustain that love within that given relationship. Now, back to what I wanted to say about which I think are more are most important. Well, let, let's say it's most or more. Mm, potato, potato. I think the most important, not in any order, agape love, because I often do find that it is much easier to love outside. Like, it's so easy to be nice to strangers or go to work and just be kind. But then when it comes to, like, your own, like, intimate relationships, sometimes it's a bit, like, more conditional in terms of how much you give or you receive. And obviously, um, self-love, like, Felice, I keep, pronunciation, I was going to say, bruh. I don't even know what I was going to say, actually. But yeah, Felicia, Felicia, the self-love is also the most important love, but of course, probably the most difficult love to exercise because life is not roses and daisies. There are thorns everywhere. There are cracks in in the pavement and you sometimes find yourself falling in ditches. And like I said, you internalise and project um, but I definitely feel like we should, they should teach self-love in schools, they should teach us how to overcome trauma, and how to accept ourselves, and to value ourselves, and so forth, but the most important to me is philia, um, I think, like, I think I even already said it, it's just a very easy environment, where you don't have to worry too much about trying to be somebody else but more so just being and seeing what that attracts and and who as a result of that you are compatible with um I don't want to bore you with too much of my opinion but yeah I, I basically feel like we don't give um platonic relationships enough value and credit because when, it, when we talk about um parents and when we talk about romance things become complex because we think about expectations and so forth not to suggest that you don't have expectations in platonic relationships but I feel like it's just more easygoing 
and I'm off, mate. What? Have I been have I been speaking for that long? Anyways, we have come to the end of the road. Make sure you are keeping up with all things Pretty Girl Problems at Shout Pretty Girl. Um, make sure you are engaging. Feel free to DM me your thoughts about this episode and the types of love that exist. Do you feel like these are real? Do you feel like this is just a bag of bullshit? Which of these types of love do you feel like you've experienced? Which is your favourite? Which do you dislike? Which are you going to research more? Share your findings with me. You can also DM me on my personal Instagram or Twitter at Naomi and Bellu. And I definitely want to hear whether you agree with this idea that you fall in love three times in your life. Your first love, second love and your third love. And yeah, it's been good talking to you.